All right. We're going back past the 90s, past the 80s, past the 70s. Past the 70s? Yep. We're going to the 60s. We weren't alive in the 60s. No, we weren't. Oh, wait. Wait, can I predict it? Yeah. All in the family. No. Oh, yeah! A little Star Trek! A very short-lived show. Iconic. It was only on, like, three or four years. I think it only had three seasons, yeah. Yep. But a really good theme song, actually. You hear that theme song, boom. In the other version, they have the the Shatner comes out in in later seasons. Space. Oh, that's right. The final, the final frontier. frontier. Yeah. I love me some William Shatner, though. And what's the name of the ship? Enterprise. The Enterprise, that's the right. The Enterprise. Yeah. Yes. Very cool. Yeah. Well done, Joel. I do a, I do a mean William Shatner impersonation. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's go. Well, it's, it's of Shatner in the original Twilight Zone movie. You ever watch Twilight Zone, the movie? The original movie? I don't think so. Original movie. So they they updated it in the 80s. where um, So in the original one, Shatner's on a plane, and he sees this thing out on the, on the edge of the wing of the plane, storm and everything, and this thing is just like tearing up the, the wing. Mm-hmm. So in the, in the 80s version, it was John Lithgow. Remember, you know the actor John Lithgow? Oh, yeah, great actor. He plays that, um, uh, he plays Shatner's character, and it's okay. this, just this, like, goblin thing. And everyone thinks he's crazy, and he's nuts, you know? Because so, he's seeing it, and nobody else is. Yes, yes. So I'm, I'm now, I'm doing a impersonation of, actually, it's of Jim Carrey doing William Shatner. Just so this is like, <laughs> this is like three levels here, okay? Okay. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay. I love the fact that you're doing an impression of an impression. That's it. <laughs> I think it was in the movie Ace Ventura where Jim Carrey does. He's on the plane. Ace Ventura 2. And he does the Shatner impersonation on the plane. You okay. Know? Let's hear it. Okay, ready? There's something on the wing. Some. Thing. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish folks could have seen actually you acting it out <laughs> with your hands and expression, too. That was marvelous. All I feel is, like I was there. All it is is just having having pauses between words, and that is Shatner, right? That is. There's William something. Shatner. On the wing. Some. Thing. <laughs> What if we led worship one one Sunday and we totally like led all the prayers and litanies? Did did the welcome welcome to welcome to Towson Presbyterian Church? Church. <laughs> Let us oh and worship there God. there goes three and a half minutes that we're not going to get back. Let's do that though. I think that'd be fun. All right, welcome everybody uh, to Joel and Rob's podcast. We took last week off. We did. We, not really intentionally, just was one of those weeks. Well, we got a lot going on. We had a lot going on last week. Still do, actually. Still do, yep. But we're making time. We're making time. (laughs) 
I'm just going to say everything that you say. <laughs> so we are on chapter 24 of We Make the Road by Walking, and this is one we didn't want to skip over. This was actually last week's chapter, and this was a chapter we felt, you know, we need to, we need to dive into this chapter. It's too important of a topic. Well, to and the title is, he gets right to it. He calls it Jesus and Hell. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. And so when I picked up this book and was looking through the chapters, this is one of those that I zeroed in on and said, ooh, I need to read this. Um, so let's start with the scripture. He chooses uh, kind of a unique, um, a unique story. To describe that that has something to do with hell. The story actually which never. One? Which which which. So the lesson? story is from Matthew twenty five. Okay, yeah. Yep. Um, which is a story of Jesus separating the sheep's, sheep's the sheep and the goats. goats. He never actually mentions the word hell, no. but he mentions eternal punishment. He mentions. Um, fire, fire with pun- yep punishment with fire, the yeah. devil and his angels. He Jesus talks about that kind of stream of conversation around hell. Um, So the story is fairly well known. It's the end of Matthew's gospel. And this one, Jesus comes back. He's already, uh, you could say, in heaven. And he comes back to judge. To judge. um, Well, he, he hasn't done that. He's saying he would do that. Yes. Right. Yes. But he's, it's a story that's in Matthew. It's a story that's, a future story, right? Jesus is talking about what will happen yes. in the future. Okay, yeah. Yes, yes. Sorry. He comes back, and then he he says he's going to shep- separate sheep on his left, goats on his on his right. Poor they, goats, man. Yeah, yeah. They get the. What's wrong with being? They a get goat? the. They get the. I never understood that. Tough end of this of this separation, um, and then he says those that the sheep are those that. Um, uh, that when you went and what were some of the distinctions? He said, um, feeding the hungry, feeding the hungry, went to um, the naked, visiting the uh, impri- freeing the prisoners, visiting the going sick. to see those that are in prison. Yeah, yeah. When, he, when you do that, you were actually serving me, yeah. um, and then clears the way for them to. Um, Going to salvation? Go to salvation. Um, the word he actually uses. Um, the joy I think it's just come come and be with me. Yeah, yes. Or the joy of your... Is it the joy of your... No, it's a different past. It's the joy of your father's presence or something. Uh, what does he say? Yeah, something like that. And then those that did not... <laughs> I can't remember the exact phrase. What's it say? Let's go. Now we got to find out. I can't see it. Okay. But then he says, for those that did not, that did not actually, um, when I was thirsty, when I was hungry, when I was a stranger, I needed clothes, I was sick, you did not come and look after me. Yeah. Um, And they say, well, when do we do that? Yep. Said, whenever you whenever did this, you didn't do it to the least of these. You did not do it for me. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then they will go away to eternal punishment and the righteous to eternal life. That's what he it says. What's strange about that, though? I think so many religious folks read that, and we we always assume that we're the sheep. Truth be told, absolutely, we're the goats. <clears throat> In this story, 
Well, and and how Brian is describing this chapter. Yes, this has always been a very confrontative story, in my opinion. Yes, to me personally. Yes, just out of the needs that I see around me and how few I actually tend to. Yes. Yep. And I think that's the gist of Brian's chapter, is that Jesus uses this language to be very... I agree. ...confronting. But I think the church reads this, by and large, and sees themselves as righteous. Yes. Yeah. The people who come to worship, the people who don't come to worship, but who claim to have faith in Jesus... Yep. They, I think the the great temptation is to see yourself as yeah, yep, as as righteous when in fact nobody on this planet is doing as much as they possibly could to tend to all the needs around them. Absolutely, and so you're saying that in in many ways this story is is saying that everyone is in some sense a goat. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I that's that would be my interpretation. Mhm. But again, we come from a reformed faith mm-hmm. which says that we're not capable of not sinning. Like we are just mm-hmm. that sinful. We all sin. There are other faiths that don't hold such a high view of sin and uh, would disagree with that. Say no. There, there are people who who do as much as they can, and mm-hmm. I just think in the church, the history of the church is to have read this from a vantage point of of peace, saying, "Ah, oh, yes. we're going to be welcomed into into salvation." Yep. When I think the truth of the passage is, yeah, if it's if this is really what it takes, then we're all pretty screwed. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm kind of letting it, I think that's a really great point you make, and how often I, and I'm probably a great example of, I read that and kind of think, yeah, I could be better, but for the most part, I'm a sheep, when in reality... Oh, I know I'm not a sheep. (laughs) I know I'm a goat. In reality, how, how good of a sheep really am I? You know, I think of all the people I pass on the street, on the corners, don't help. Mm-hmm. All the people. I mean, we've talked about prison ministry here. We we haven't started one. No. Um, a lot of things like that. Well, and how I, I've always thought how bold of of a statement is going to visit someone in prison. It just makes this story even more radical. Because we thirsty and gave someone something to drink. Yeah, I've, I've done these actions before. Fed someone who was hungry. It's, it's the prison one. I'm not even so sure I have fed and given to thir- water to those who are there. I'm not, you know. I think what I'm trying to say is... I think we do it at times, but we don't do it all the time. Oh, I totally agree with you. And if we don't do it all the time, then we're goats. I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm talking about that that the prison one is included. Oh, okay. Is, I think, so subversive of this mm. in that um, mm. someone who has been, I think he's saying, convicted of a crime did something... He's clearly messed up big time. Yes, 
And he is saying, my gosh, if you didn't go visit them and offer grace and mercy to them. How in the who, world can you think you'd get some yourself? Who, who, are, who are guilty of whatever crime that they committed. You know, he, he is raising the bar yeah. so high here of, of your perceived righteousness mm-hmm. and how good of a life that we live. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, to me, it's incredibly challenging. Um, I agree. That's why I always come away from it feeling like a goat. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just know, I think part of it is too, when we're in the church, right? And we see the needs of our congregation on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And we see the needs of our community at large on a, not daily, but on a very regular basis. Yeah. I mean, we're, I think we constantly live in the tension of, okay, what are we able to do well? And yeah. what are we actually doing? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and that tension always comes back to Matthew 25. There's, there's a movement in our church right now, you know, become a Matthew 25 church. I know, I know. You know, a church that does not seek to be among the elite of society, yep. uh, but a church that seeks to go out and be present yep. and serve the needs, uh, the very real tangible needs of mm-hmm. Matthew 25. Yep. Yep. So let's jump into McLaren's chapter yeah. a little bit. Um, and what jumped out to you? I loved the way he really did such a beautiful job explaining how the Judeo-Christian understanding of hell emerged mm-hmm. out of a geographic and really a, actually a an occupational kind of history mm-hmm. of Israel, whether it was just from their neighbors or, or most specifically from their occupations, their Persian occupations and their, yep. uh, later their, their Greek, you know, all these different things that have happened. And it does, it begins to inculcate into society at large and in effect and shape beliefs. And, and it's inevitable. It is inevitable. It's, 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 um, it's another example of, uh, these stories in the scriptures not just falling from the sky, yeah. but um, uh, the Israelites came out of, as we talked about in the past, captivity in mm-hmm. Babylon, where they were surrounded by that theology. And, yeah. then, and then the Greeks next door. Um, it, it's, it's inevitable that those beliefs will slowly kind of seep in a little bit. Yeah, and not purely, right? Because it is. It's, it's kind of an assimilation. It's it's not terribly pure, so mm-hmm. it's a it's a merging of yep. thing you know items from column A and items from column B, yep. uh, including even uh, and this I did find fascinating the notion of basically heaven or you know uh, an ultimate resting place of pure peace and pure joy. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to just assume that that was a Christian kind of yeah creation exactly right and right. even that itself but uh, Greeks had a version of it yeah of course yep. outside of and then how the Jesus Jews. didn't come and proclaim what is true and what is false that uh, e.g. you know there is no afterlife clearly Jesus believed 
in an afterlife. But uh, how he came and really flipped the whole rubric. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys assume you know who's in and who's not. And let me tell you mm-hmm. uh, who's getting in. Yep. And yep. it's not it's not the people who you think or you want. Yes. Yep. I um, I liked towards the end he talks about the real purpose of his fire and brimstone language. Mm-hmm. Um, not to predict the destruction of the universe or to make absolute for all eternity of the inside or outside categories of us and them. He says its purpose was to wake up complacent people, mm-hmm. to warn them of the danger of their current path, to challenge them to change using the strongest language and imagery available. So it was, he he used this language to speak with um, urgency. Wake up. Yes. It's this, wake up. It, yes. This is not something I'm talking about that's um, in the future. This is right here and right this now. This is life and death stuff. Yep. And, and really speaking, so in this story speaks to um uh kind of indifference for the suffering of the world like mm-hmm. he's saying you can't kind of um, yeah. you can't just walk over these people well as you're on your way to work you know um or on your way to salvation exactly because you got your ticket you know yep. it's wake up sisters and brothers because you know indifference is the antithesis of faith Yep. Right. Yep. Not doubt, not anger, uh, indifference. That, yeah, is the antithesis of faith. Yep. And yet, so many people of faith, and at times, myself included, will look out at someone in need or in pain with indifference. Sure. Absolutely. And how antithetical that is to what we say we believe. Yep. You know, and and the heaven and hell notion is is uh. A beautiful kind of um, and powerful, powerful more than beautiful. It's a very powerful kind of um, restructuring of the paradigm of salvation. Yep. You know, the the powerful of this world um, don't have a say in in God's kingdom. Well, and how helpful these stories can be when we remove them from this. Um, uh, in and out, am I going to heaven or am I going to hell? This otherworldly place and put them right here and right now, yeah. which is what McLaren is doing. How powerful, like just what you talked about, how how powerful these can be to kind of go, ooh, am I a sheep or a goat? I want to be a sheep. I don't want to think of myself as a goat, but... In my first... I, people... Uh, People, by and large, right, uh, are they come? We we comfort ourselves in many ways by defining who's in and who's out, who's in and out of our family, who's in and out of our cliques. You know, we build yeah. boundaries, we build fences, yeah. both literal and metaphorical. Um, and and so it's natural that people bring boundarying and fencing into faith. Yep. Um, but it's gotten to a point where we think boundaries and fences belong. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though scripture is is very clearly filled 
with language that just tears down the wall. Yes. Um, I, I heard that it could be said that a great phrase to simply encapsulate the Gospels would be Paul's line of tear down the walls. Hmm. Nice. That that could be a description of mm-hmm. of the gospel itself. Tearing mm-hmm. down the walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tear down the walls of the hierarchy. Tear down the walls of in and out. Of, yeah. You know. Yeah. I also remember a time when I was on a committee at one of my, uh, the, an earlier church I served. We were talking about heaven and hell. And the question was asked there. Um, well, well, is there really a hell? Mm-hmm. And a wonderful, faithful soul sitting immediately to my left. And and let me be clear, if you didn't listen to one of the earlier podcasts, I personally don't believe mm-hmm. in an eternal hell. I don't believe that the God I read in the New Testament, full of grace and truth and love, mm-hmm. sends someone that God loves mm-hmm. into eternal hell. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, said, well, I sure hope so. If not, what's the point? Mm. So, you know, is there a hell? She said, yeah, yeah, I sure hope so. If not, what's the point? So the point is, life's point is to get to heaven and not go to hell. Yeah. That's what she was saying. Or to be good. Because the people who I don't like and who I think are bad... I I want I take comfort in my thought that they're going to hell. Mm. Mhm. Yep. Yep. And the Jesus that Brian's talking about, the Jesus we read in scriptures, he is consistently talking about life here and now. That's the point. That's the invitation. Life based on a grace that is so big and so all-consuming that it includes the people you don't like. Absolutely. In the Google, you struggle to love. Yep. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Until next week. Or we're going to tape the next one coming up pretty soon here. Thanks for hosting this, Joel. (laughs) You're welcome. You can find us at Towson Press at Facebook and Instagram, towsonpress.org. Until then, I am Rob, this is Joel, and we will see you (laughs) next time.